and that we are so thankful for each one of you choosing to be here. And there, there are two things that we are giving attention to this morning. Um, obviously, the VBS, the kids did a great job, and the workers did a great job ministering to and with the kids, and uh, I, I sure did enjoy the, it was brief, but it's a great program, and uh, the truth that they sang about can help this nation immensely if we'd allow it to. That was, that was wonderful. And then, this is a side note, but this notion that kids can't memorize stuff, that is, continues to be dispelled around here, and so I'm, I'm thankful for that, and then so appreciative of moms and dads and families that allowed your kids to be a part of that this week. And then we are also celebrating the birth of and the existence of the nation that we get to call home. We are celebrating that. We ought to celebrate that. And uh, I understand and I will address this morning the, the dark realities of many of the directions of our nation. We're not going to pretend that they don't exist. But we also are still blessed to be able to call this nation our home. And we ought to be thankful for it. You know, there's, there's so much today that would cause animosity and hatred for a nation where there's so much access to prosperity and good. But as God's people, we should be setting an example for gratitude for our nation. And so we're celebrating that and we're going to deal with some thoughts about America and our freedom in John. Look at verse number 32 of chapter 8. John eight thirty-two. Just so you know, we're picking up in the middle of a discourse that Jesus is having with the Pharisees, religious and other religious leaders, and they were not fans of his. Some of them would believe, it says that in the previous verse, but then they didn't didn't truly understand all the implication of that belief. And so we're picking up with verse number 32 in a statement that that is very popular or that is well known. And Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth. Well, that conflicts with what we see and hear being taught in America today. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth. As though there is such a thing. Because there is. Ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. We can't overstate the implication of verse number 32. There is no freedom without truth. There is only bondage. In verse 33, they begin to argue with Christ. And I want you to notice this. I'll draw attention to it in a few minutes. They argue based on their nationality. Jesus says to them, You can't have freedom without truth. No, he said it in a positive way. The truth will make you free. But the implication is you cannot have freedom without truth. And their response is to argue their freedom 
not based on truth, but based on nationality. Would you pay attention to it, please? Verse 33, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage. I'll explain why in a minute, remind you why in a minute, but that's a hilariously ironic statement right there. We're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Again, this is a side note. I can't, I can't get into all of the implications of this statement, but Jesus doesn't confront them from a political standpoint here. He confronts them from a spiritual standpoint. They try to argue politics, and he immediately directs it back to the spiritual nature of this conversation, the spiritual root of this conversation. Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. We have a culture today that glorifies expressions of godless, wicked, sinful behavior as expressions of freedom. But you know what they are, in fact? They are expressions of bondage. And the servant abideth not in the house forever. And this is where he makes a beautiful transition for where we have freedom. But the Son abideth forever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I was raised by a Christian dad and mom who both served in the military. I've been taught before I knew I was being taught to love my nation. Not to pretend as though she's flawless because she is far from that. Not to pretend as though everything in her history is honorable, because it certainly is not. And there is more than one example of that. But still to recognize the providence of God in the existence of our nation, and the mercy and grace of God in the blessing of our nation, even at this moment. I get emotional. I talk about my country. Because to me, that flag symbolizes home. This is my home. And the reason for my emotion is because what that flag used to represent is no longer what that flag represents. And I'm watching my home that used to be known as the land of the free. It can now be accurately described and statistically and observably proven that we are increasingly becoming the land of the less free. I celebrate that I get to live in this country. I do. Please don't misunderstand. 
but I hurt deeper than I can explain because of the direction of our nation. And this morning, it does us no good to pretend that things are not as they are. If truth is what helps us to be free, then we must be truthful about where we are today. The thought, the title of the message is this, the land of the less free. Father, I love, I love my country. And I would that anyone from anywhere would love their country. The existence of countries is not some tyrannical racist idea, God. You, you actually created the nations. And I understand it's, it's flawed because of the sinfulness of man. But heaven, the Revelation even talks about there will be people from every tribe and tongue. And then it says this, and nation. Father Paul loved his nation. He even, he even wrote that I wish I could be accursed for my, my brethren. Talking about the nation of Israel. So this morning, God, I'm not ashamed that I am an American. I'm not proud of everything that our nation has done. I certainly try to teach Andrea and I certainly try to teach our children the reality of shameful things in the existence of our nation. But we also try to be honest about our nation that it has It came about through miraculous circumstances that the founders of our nation, though flawed themselves, had a desire that God be influential in the founding and that his principles guide the founding documents. And that though imperfect, the existence of truth laid the foundation for a greater nation to develop. God, so many of us are blessed in spite of her flaws, to call this place our home. But God, we are living in unique times. And while I am thankful for this nation, I am heartbroken for the direction of our nation. And I don't, I don't think, God, I'm not living in a, a false sense of reality. I don't think that anything I'm going to say is going to change the direction of a government this morning. But I do want to help your people that are here and those that are listening. And if, and if by your help, each one of us can be helped, then God, it can begin to make an effect, have an effect in the life of our nation. So would you please speak to us this morning in Jesus name? Amen. First of all, let me say we ought to be thankful for our military. And uh, for every man and woman that served in the United States military, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. It is a blessing to live in this land, and tomorrow will be, if my math is correct, America's 246th birthday. 
I know that it's imperfect. I've already referenced that, but America and this constitution under which we operate or should be operating have provided the greatest opportunities for the most diverse groups of people in the history of mankind. No, I understand we're not perfect, but people have it better here or can have it better here than any other place in the world. I do, not, I do not say this. I don't make this statement. You can look it up for yourself. I don't make this statement out of arrogance. I don't make this statement out of a place or a position of despising or condescending. But n- number one, if, if you were born here or had the opportunity to move here, you ought to be thankful for the grace of God. Because you could have just as easily been born in Afghanistan. You could have just as easily been born in the Congo. You could have been born wherever it is. And every person born everywhere matters to God. People's value is not based on the country of their origin. For whatever reason, according to His design, God has either allowed you and I to be born here or to come here. And we are blessed to live in this country. One, one brief, and there's a whole lot of layers to this, but one brief statement uh, about the blessing that is median income and how you measure that, and then the years you measure that will fluctuate. But in the U.S., it, it would be around 20000 at different times. The median average income worldwide is less than 10000 You Just go through the countries. Go through countries in the Middle East. Go through countries in Africa. And the average median income is less than $1,000 a year. We're talking less than, in some cases, less than $500. We are blessed to live in this country. And if you think that you're better than anybody else, no, it's the mercy of God that we get to be here. It's the mercy of God that you were born here. The mercy of God that you moved here. It's the mercy of God that you get to call this place your home and benefit from the abundance of opportunities. I know you can get bored with this, but please don't. Most of the rest of the world does not get to enjoy the opportunity that we get to enjoy in this country. But those facts, and there are others that you could look into that highlight the prosperity and the standard of living. We could look at health care. We could look at education. We could look at so many different things that demonstrate the disparity from this nation, and most, not all, but most of the rest of the world. And we are blessed to live in this nation, but those facts do not tell the whole story of our current situation. I just want to read through some things. Suicides in 2020 were at 45,799. If you divide that up, that's 125 people a day took their life in 2020. Among the, tr- the trans community, it's even higher. 40% of people who identify as trans have tried to commit suicide. Among our military, since 9 11, 30,177 servicemen and women have taken their own life. In 2021, there were 19,600 murders. Every day, 54 people had their life taken by someone else. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry. Every second, 
An average of over $3,000 is spent on it. According to one study, over the, average, over the life of an average man, a man will have 16 different sexual partners, and a woman will have 10 different sexual partners. And yet, with all of this so-called freedom, with all of this so-called access to gratification, over a third of Americans in relationships today express dissatisfaction with their relationships. At the time of this statistic, 19, I believe it was 2021, 19.7 million people age, and here's how they list adults, age 12 and up, had battles with substance abuse. Depression in 2021 was reported among 32, over 32% of the U.S. population. In 2020, opioid overdoses killed nearly 69,000 people. The average college student carries $30,000 of debt before they have a job, before they buy a house, before they own a car. In their early 20s, they are laden with a financial burden that has the potential to affect the rest of their lives. To get into credit card debt, and it's astounding what the average individual, not home, but based on the average statistics, Andrea and I have eight children And based on the average statistics, those eight children carry over $6,000 of credit card debt. It's handicapping people financially. We are observing, and if you're not paying attention, I'm sorry, I'm not going to highlight all the different cases this morning for the sake of time, but we are observing, and it happened before, it happened during the, the pandemic, but we are observing massive violations of constitutional rights across the board. And I understand, and I will, I will participate in celebrating. I will sit down with my children, and we will thank God for America. I will wear red, white, and blue. I will be thankful that I get to live in this nation. But if you are paying attention You cannot accurately say that we continue to live in the land of the free because we are increasingly moving towards the land of the less free. And there are so many indicators that both in the private sector and on a government level, we are losing freedom at an increasing rate. So you want to to argue. That someone who died from an overdose is living a life of freedom. You want to argue that some married man in his late 20s who struggles to look his wife in in her eyes and can't stay off of pornography in the middle of the night, you want to argue that that's freedom. You want to argue that these young men and young women 
who from the time that they're two and three and four are being inundated with this lie that somehow a doctor misgendered them. And they begin already, because young people, you know this, young people already have to work through insecurity. Whether you're a young man or a young woman, insecurity is something that you just have to grow through and work through. And different individuals have to work through it to different degrees. But we add to that insecurity this lie that somehow a doctor somewhere labeled you as the wrong thing. And the only, the only way you can know is whatever your heart feels at the moment. So then we're going to funnel billions, look it up, billions of dollars into the pharmaceutical industry to promote surgeries that will forever alter your ability to function as a human being the way God intended. And then, worse, and then, and then when they begin to commit suicide at even higher rates than uh, other parts of society, we're going to say, yep, that's freedom. You want to argue that men and women who give of their life to serve And who are told and taught that we got to keep separation of church and state. And increasingly, God is assaulted in every sector of our community. And then we put them, we use them, we take advantage of them. And we put them on ships and we put them in foxholes and we send them to the backside of the desert. We send them all over the place and yet they can't find the support they need when they come home to be encouraged and to be affirmed. And then they end up taking their life or living much of their life under the influence of alcohol or other substances to make the dreams and the anxiety go away. And we want to say that's freedom. It is increasingly becoming the land of the less free. I already mentioned this. Jesus introduced a simple yet very profound truth in verse number 32. Truth produces freedom. Freedom is a result of truth. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There were those who objected, no, my freedom the, the essence of my freedom is my ability to do whatever I want. But the reality is this, excuse me, that when your freedom to do whatever you want conflicts with established truth, the result is not freedom. Please hear that statement. When your freedom to do whatever you want conflicts with the truth, then you no longer have freedom. Bondage. No, look, you're free to think that Superman is a real thing. You're free to watch it. You're free to have his minifigures in your house. You're even free to put on a Superman costume. But if you put on a red cape and jump off of the building, you're not going to experience freedom. Maybe for .7 seconds, but what you will experience is bondage. Because when your use of freedom, freedom conflicts with truth that God has established, the result is bondage. Well, they argued in this text in verse 33. No, we're never in bondage. We're free because of our nationality. And, and I hear it all over the place. No, we're free because we live in America. 
No, but there was a foundation that enabled the principles and the mindsets that allowed this freedom to become reality in our lives. And when you separate the freedom from the foundation that produced it, you can no longer have the freedom. We're not free because of a nationality. And so they argue, no, we've, we've never been in bondage. This is comical. We've never been in bondage to any man. I have, I have a question. No, you would, you would get a whole lot of dislikes on Twitter today for doing this. <laughs> no, I, I have a question. Uh, what about the 400 years in Egypt? Uh, what about the book of Judges? Uh, what, 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 what about the uh, Syrians? Um, um, didn't, didn't Daniel, wasn't he, he, he taken in uh, captivity in Babylon? Um, is that a Roman soldier over there? (laughs) You say, that's ridiculous. Right. You know what they were doing? What's done today? Revisionist history. You know what they were doing? They, doing? they were ignoring what was right in front of them. No, 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 that's not bondage. We've never been in bondage. Hey, you're going to pay these taxes. Yes, sir. But we've never been in bondage. Hey, I'm going to arrest you. Yes, sir. But we've never been in bondage as they go off under the control of a Roman centurion. They were enslaved. These people were enslaved. Yet they denied the obvious. And so Jesus, rather rather than getting into a political debate with them, He turns the discussion to a spiritual eternal nature in verse 33 and 34, excuse me, in verse 34, and he, he wants them to understand that there is a universal source of bondage. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. There is a greater oppressive force than any terrible government that's ever existed. There is a greater terrible force that overcomes even the freest of nations like the United States. And that force is the existence of sin. Living life in opposition to God. Denying who He is. Denying what He's done. Denying His involvement in our lives. Denying His right to dictate to us how we ought to live our lives, and then choosing to live however we want. The Bible calls that sin, and we are all guilty of it. And in a general way, sin is the most oppressive force that has ever been known upon the face of this earth in every age. People today look at sin as though it's some kind of expression of liberation or freedom, but sin isn't liberating. As Jesus said in verse 34, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Verse 35, the servant abideth not in the house, meaning that you don't have the freedom of being, of the freedom God intends 
when you are being controlled by sin. Well, I'm not controlled by sin. Do you sin? Here's the problem today. Just like they did, we deny the obvious. Let me deal with some things that are obvious that we deny, then I'll get to the main point. Don't answer it. These are questions that are being asked today. Um, Just like I would have wanted to say, what about the 400 years in Egypt? What about Daniel? Let me ask a question. What is a woman? Uh, You can chuckle at it. This is becoming a source of great violence. What is a woman? No, we're supposed to celebrate the most recent appointee to the Supreme Court. In part because, don't roll your eyes, in part because she is a woman. You notice all those feminine references right there? But when asked to define what a woman is, she refused to. Not because she doesn't know, but because she's trying to promote an agenda. But the excuse she gave was because I'm not a biologist. I didn't know we now needed $100,000 degrees in order to be able to identify the difference between a man and a woman. No, no, no. Here's what's what's hypocritical about this. You want to tell me that I can't say what a woman is, but then you won't tell me what a woman is. We're denying obvious truth. Let me ask you another question. When does life begin? No, when does it begin? Hang on a second. Hang on a second. If anyone here or anyone watching has ever had an abortion, there is grace and love from God for every person. And that baby that died in your womb is in heaven with Jesus. No, I believe I can prove that from the Bible. And God loves regardless of your position on an issue. But this is an important question. Because now that certain decisions have been made, and people are actually having to answer this question, you know what we're finding out? It has nothing to do with when life begins. It only has to do with when I want to kill this baby. Now, I'm not trying to push political buttons, and I'm certainly not trying to get people to put out a bunch of bumper stickers. I'm just trying to get you to consider the fact that we live in a nation where somewhere around half of this nation wants to sanction being able to deliver a child, and then based on whether or not the mother wants it, we can kill it or keep it. That ought to make, if you cared, it ought to make every one of you want to get on your knees right now and beg God for mercy on this nation. I'm not mad at any woman that's ever felt like that was the decision they need to make. But I am angry at an institution and an ideology that wants to say, well, we can't really know when life begins. No, it's not that you can't know. It's that you don't want to know. It was interesting to me that bodily autonomy wasn't an issue when the vaccines came out, but all of a sudden it's an issue now. Are you saying you're against vaccines? No. 
Not at all. But the hypocrisy is palpable in this nation. You know my position on vaccines. That's between you and the Lord. And nobody here is going to be defined by whether or not they got a vaccine. You know why? Because it's between you and the Lord. I'm going to say amen to that. Don't get nervous. A life begins when a life begins. Let me ask you another question. How many genders are there? No, no, no. I mean, we used to, man, if I had said something like this 10 years ago, people would have laughed at me. I remember back in around 2008 or 9, and I don't remember the exact timeline, so I'm, I'm going to be off a little bit. Forgive me for that. But, but when the whole definition of marriage was an issue, and I remember thinking and others saying this, that if we ever redefine marriage, it is going to open up a can of worms to which there is no end. There is no end. You say, how can you prove that? I don't, I don't know for sure that I'm pronouncing his name right. It, it's not intentionally. I believe his name is pronounced Ricky Trace. Just last month, Ricky competed in a skateboard tournament, which skateboarding tournaments are really impressive to watch. Ricky is married, has three kids, and served in the military. But he was unsuccessful in making the Olympics. And suddenly he decided that he was actually a woman. And so Ricky chose to identify as a woman and then compete in the skateboarding tournament in the ladies' bracket and courageously and triumphantly beat out a 13-year-old girl for first place. And we celebrate that. You know why? Because we deny the obvious. Those aren't the root problem. Those aren't the root problem. Those are symptoms of a root problem. You know what the root is? You can't have freedom without truth. When you deny the truth of God, it does not lead to a liberated life. It leads to a life of bondage. We try to define freedom as a location, as a nationality, as the ability to express myself through whatever habits, through whatever identities, through whatever agendas that I choose. And my greatest expression of freedom will be me doing what, how, when I want with no restraint. But that kind of life is not a life of liberation. That kind of life is a life of bondage and servitude to an enemy that will eternally destroy you. Hey, listen, I'm not trying to shock anybody. You just need to know the world that you're living in. And you need to know how to confront it as well. There are professors in the United States today abdicating for no longer calling sexual crimes against children crimes. No, it's being abdicated. It's being promoted. No, now they're trying to define it. You say, well, what's the big deal with redefining what a man is or what a woman is? Because if you can redefine what is obvious and observable, you can redefine anything. And so now we're going to redefine criminal behavior against the most vulnerable in our community and just say it's an attraction. No, it's not an attraction. It's a perversion. 
It's evil. It's violent. It's wicked. But this is the result when you try to have freedom without truth. You no longer have freedom. How free are those eight and nine-year-olds? No, let it sink in. How free is that 13-year-old girl who's watching a 29-year-old man win? How free is that? How free are they? When the exercise, here's the statement, and then I'll make some application to us. When the exercise of freedom is, when the exercise of freedom conflicts with the truth of God, the result is bondage. You can make the case that this, that the U.S. has been the land of greatest freedom, and I would agree, but you can also make the case currently that the U.S. is becoming a land of great bondage. The land of the greatest freedom is becoming the land of the greatest bondage. So what's the solution in verse number 36? If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Listen, I want to vote. I do vote. I stay engaged politically. I pray for our leaders. I pray for godly and right leaders to be in position. I try to be aware. But you've got to understand, in this nation, the solution is not a political one. The solution is a spiritual one. And the King of Kings, when he had an opportunity to confront these those who rejected him politically he chose to confront them spiritually and said your greatest issue isn't the fact that you deny thousands of years of obvious history the 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 greatest problem that you have is that you are guilty of sin and it doesn't matter where you're born and it doesn't matter what your bank account is and it doesn't matter how much education you have and it doesn't matter what pronouns you choose to use or not use and it doesn't matter what bumper stickers are on your vehicle it doesn't matter who you voted for then or who you're going to vote for now freedom begins and ends with the relationship with Jesus Christ you can't have his freedom unless you have him you know what I love? That God loves every one of those trans teenagers that's thinking about killing themselves. You know what I want to see happen? I want an opportunity to love them. I want an opportunity to, in a right way, put my arm around them and look them in the face and tell them God didn't make a mistake when he made them. And that their confidence can't be in what a society says about their gender. Their confidence has to be in the fact that God created them and God loves them and God has a purpose. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to tell servicemen and women who struggle, who are afraid, who are turning to alcohol and drugs, God loves you. And maybe there are things that you regret. Maybe there are things you don't understand. But the cross is able to take care of the things you regret and the things you don't understand and the things you can't change. That's what I'm trying to say. We have the solution. Because when the sun makes you free, you're free. This is what I'm thankful for. They can throw the Constitution out, and they will. They can change our freedoms to function, and they will try. 
you can't take away my freedom in him. Because no matter what the state of this country is, I want to let you in on a secret. This is not the end. And whatever, however it goes in the coming years and in the coming decades, there is an eternal kingdom with an eternal Savior. And that kingdom will be defined by the righteousness of His love and His grace. And billions upon uncountable billions will be in heaven for eternity singing the praises of the One who loved them and gave Himself for them. That's freedom. So let me give you some thoughts. Finally. Number one, there is absolute truth. I understand that what I've said this morning is not politically correct. I'm not, I'm not mad at individuals who choose to live their life in a way different than what I believe is right. I am mad at institutions who intentionally lie for their own financial gain. I am, I am angry with and unashamedly angry with politicians who would use individuals, who would use young teenage girls and young teenage men to promote a godless agenda for their own empowerment. I'm angry with that, but I'm not angry with people because they disagree with me. I do want to make this statement, though. Truth is truth, whether you agree with it or not. And brothers and sisters, you can't let the environment that we live in today change your mind on that. Truth is not truth because a survey on Twitter said it's true. Truth is truth because God said it's true. Period. You know what these kids sang about this morning? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't care what a public school teaches. I don't care what a private school teaches. I don't care what a home school teaches. I don't care what a Christian school teaches. I don't care what a university, a college, a community college teaches. That is truth. Not because we say it is, but because God says it is. It's truth. Those kids are fearfully and wonderfully made. And they would be a whole lot, they would be a whole lot more secure in their development if we would affirm God's providence in their being. I need to, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get done. There is an absolute Savior. He's the only way. But I love this. I love this. He'll save anybody. I have a hard time praying for certain people. But you think about the person that you get the most frustrated or angry with politically, and Jesus died to save them too. He'll save anybody. I don't care how much, I don't care how much someone has gone in a direction away from God. If they'll, didn't you love how Adrian said it? It's simple. No, I understand not everybody gets it, but it's not because God made it hard. Salvation is simple. God did the hard part. That was dying. That was atoning. It's simple. It doesn't matter how far you've gone down that road. If you'll believe in him, you'll be saved. There is absolute truth. There is an absolute savior. And there is absolute bondage. When the exercise of freedom conflicts with truth, that freedom leads to bondage. So what are we to do today? Are you ready? If you're saved, if you're saved, Sin can still cause bondage in your life. If you're not saved, you need to get saved this morning. If you are saved, and, and, and not perfectly, but the direction of your life is honoring God, hey, hey, that life is not in vain. 
that life can still be a light and can be salt. And we may, we may not have the power. We may not have, I don't know, we may not have the power to turn a government, but we can turn the lives of individuals. And if enough individuals are turned, who knows what the effect of that can be. And Jesus can save, and Jesus can help. And so while the freedom and the results of sin are creating bondage in our culture, your life can be a shining bastion for true freedom in Jesus Christ. Man, I wish I had time to illustrate this. I'd bring my wife up here and, and, and without, without being inappropriate or weird, talk about the physical, relation, the physical freedom that exists when you approach relationships the right way before God. And I'd say to every young man and every young woman here, God created you to be attracted. God created you to desire a relationship. But in what the world says is freedom, there is only bondage. But if you'll submit to God's way of living, it will only produce freedom in your life. Better than anything you could have ever imagined. And it's so good. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Let, let me ask you, I, I am sorry for how long this has taken me. I truly didn't, I truly intended for this to be quicker. But in spite of how long it's taken, would you, would you please be honest for a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed? I wonder if there would be anyone who would raise their hand. Nobody looking around, you'd raise your hand and you'd say, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I'm not asking you your political affiliations. I'm not asking you how much good you've done compared to how much bad. I'm asking you, if you died right now, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven because you've trusted Jesus as your Savior? I wonder if there would be anyone with heads bowed and eyes closed, anyone that would raise their hand and say, if I died right now, I don't know that I would go to heaven. But I want to know that. It's not about where you go to church, and it's not about what prayers you've said or being baptized. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. You say, I don't know that I'm saved, but I want to know it. Would you please pray for me with every head bowed and every eye closed? Would there be anyone that would raise their hand and say, Pastor, pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I see it. I see it. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I see it. God bless you. You say, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Look, you you may never come back to a service at West Valley Baptist Church, but that has nothing to do with your salvation. Say, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Please pray for me. Would there be anyone else? You say, I'm not sure, but I want to be sure. Let me ask you this. For those of you that by not raising your hands are saved, I wonder if there would be any that would say, Pastor, there are some areas in my life where I have allowed the expression of freedom to result in bondage. I have forsaken the truth of God in my pursuit of freedom. And the result has been bondage in my life. And I'm, I am struggling to overcome that. I need, and maybe it, maybe it has to do with some addiction. Maybe it has to do with an attitude or a response to certain situations. But you'd say, I've allowed my freedom to deviate from the truth. And I found myself in bondage. I need God's help. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I need God's help. I see him. I see him. Yep, they're going up all over the place. God bless you for your honesty. The point isn't to humiliate anyone, just to be honest before God. Last of all, there's this. Many of you would say, I've, I am so disheartened by the direction of our country that I am, 
I am struggling with whether or not living out my faith even matters. And I just get disheartened. I get overwhelmed. Can I encourage you this morning that your faith, no matter the direction of our culture, no matter how it's reported in media, your faith makes a difference in the life of your community, in your home, in your school, at your workplace. Your faith makes a difference when it's lived out to honor God. But I wonder if God's people this morning, because of the direction of our nation, you say, I just, I get discouraged and I almost act as though living out my faith is irrelevant or it's ineffective and I just need God's encouragement to be faithful and steadfast. I wonder if there would be any that would raise their hand and say, that's me and I'm just, I'm just discouraged right now. I see it. Maybe this morning you just want to pray for your nation. But however, if God has spoken to your heart, would you respond to him? Let's all stand together. Brother Nate, you begin to sing. If you want someone to pray with you, just get my attention and we'll gladly do that in a kind and courteous way. But if God has spoken to your heart, don't wait. Respond to him this morning while Brother Nate sings.